Hey, Alex. Hey, Patrick. I like that right right as this started, it said at the bottom of the screen, I don't know if this shows up for the users, but it says Alex has added Google Effects. I Literally, I clicked on it the very moment that, uh, that we hit on the <laughs> air, so I have that queued up and ready to go just in case. Just in case. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm, sh- I'm sure you will find some reason for that. Um, this is Bomb in the Ant with Scoops and the Wolf, and we have our fancy, uh, fancy new art. Uh, which we we thank uh, very sexy potato for. Yes, I think I remember that name off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's that an easy was name it. to remember. I think. Um, how was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot, but that was very much on purpose because you know I've mm-hmm. been traveling a lot this month, and uh, I'm going to be traveling again next week, as will you, uh, as we head to Seattle. So I took it took it pretty easy. Uh, mostly just kind of hung out at home. I went and saw The World's End, which uh, I will talk about actually on the movie podcast, which uh, Rory and I are recording this week. And uh, played a lot of Madden because uh, that that I, I need to review that before we leave, um, which I will probably do for tomorrow. Uh, which I don't. I, I know you've gotten back into football. Have you been playing Madden at all in the last few years? Much at all? No. I mean, I I decided. Like, my way of getting myself into football uh, was to – I used fantasy as a way to, like, make myself interested and invested in the games that weren't just my division. And that worked actually out It's a good well. gateway. Uh, it is so a good that, gateway. Because then it, it gets you to know the players. It gets you to have some stake in the game. And then sort of once you know the different sort of dramatic arcs of the different teams, th- then it becomes interesting sort of regardless of whether you've got – you know, fantasy points on the line. Um, but Madden, I don't know. I've given it a shot a couple different times. I think it, the series in general uh, exclusively caters to, you know, its existing fan base, uh, which it should, and I understand that, but it sort of has an inherent problem of not being very friendly to newcomers, uh, or at least, you know, when I've tried, I've played it and just like, I don't, mm, you know, maybe it's just I don't understand enough of the nuance of the, the real nitty-gritty but it's like, well, I sort of know what, like, a nickel package is, but not really. And the game doesn't do a good job of sort of, like, getting you accustomed to what those what those phrases yeah. are. There's an assumption in those games that if you are buying a $60 football game, you are invested enough in football to understand most of the basics of football. And they have, in recent years, made some strides to try and make things a little bit more accessible. You know, they've combined certain modes, like the franchise and the owner mode and the the create like the play as a superstar mode are all kind of one thing now. Um, there's There's been, here and there, some more useful tutorials on certain aspects of the game that, that kind of helped, you know, explain certain features that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But, man, I don't know. It's like, I'm playing this year's game. Yeah, it's like they fixed some stuff. There's some other things that are kind of broken. Like, it just, you know, it, this is uh, it, theoretically the last of the Maddens of any real note on this console generation. And I'm playing this game, and it's like, this is this is the 25th anniversary one. This is the 25th game in the series. You know, they are they have added and, you know, highlighted features from various uh, sequels throughout the series in this one. And the interface is still kind of junky, and shit loads real slow. And, like, you know, I've had weird crash bugs and stuff. And I was like, this is your 21st anniversary game. This is, like, your last big one on this console generation. And this shit barely runs well. Like, the game is fine. It's fine. They fixed some things from last year. The running game is better. There's stuff that's good. But, like, 
this it just for you know a game that you have been working on in this generation for like eight years at this point. It is kind of surprising to me how still kind of clunky and just unremarkable it is in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the 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 curse of the yearly iteration plus no competition. Yeah. I imagine just it makes it makes it you know inherently difficult. And you know, I don't know a whole lot about the development process of of the Madden games, but it also probably makes it difficult to lobby for additional time and resources when it's like, well, what's you know, what's the point, right? right? Like, what is like the, the Madden series, my understanding is that, you know, the sales have been sort of on a precipitous decline uh, in like the last 10 years or so, but still sells exceptionally Yeah, they're well. still the best-selling and EA I, sports game by far. And and I can't imagine that there'd be any reason for that to change unless you they saw a financial incentive to do so. Yeah. So, I mean, are, are you really going to see hardcore Madden fans like not buy that year's version? Well, no, because they don't have an option, right? It's not It's not like this is a Battlefield Call of Duty situation where you can just kind of jump ship to the other side and maybe that will incentivize, you know, the, the, the team you were just on to, to buck up. Cause there's, you don't have that option in football and, and that, and that's, yeah, I mean, we've, we, we talked about that, I think in a, in a previous episode, but that continually bums me out just because I think it would do EA well and it would do gamers well, but unfortunately it's just not really an option, but I did, I did buy mm. this year's version, but that's only because it comes with the direct TV sort of promotion right. or the the Sunday, Sunday ticket, ticket thing, yeah. promotion which which there is some debate about whether how that will apply I will find out cuz that game comes out this week right Yes it does So I don't know if my, mm, I leave on Wednesday morning for PAX so I don't know if my copy will show up before then I'm sure the internet will let me know how it shakes out but oh, I'll let you know tomorrow where, Okay so like the, the the promotion that's going on with this one is that you if you order the anniversary edition of of Madden which is 100 bucks you get a redemption code for the PC and tablet versions of Sunday Ticket, which gets you access to all the games uh, except for the ones that are, are local because, you know, they, they, they assume that you could watch that on your TV and flick over to that and see the ads that go with that uh, and what have you. So apparently, and that's normally like if you're going to buy that on PS3, they don't offer it this year, but when they did, it was like 400 bucks the first year. I think it was 300 bucks last year, and it's not being offered this year. Uh, otherwise, you have to get DirecTV and pay money or threaten to quit to get a free package but it's a lot of money and getting it for a bit essentially 40 bucks is crazy but apparently some of the wrinkles may involve like it only works if you are not in an area where you can get direct tv but then ea has said oh that's not true but then when you ask direct tv they say oh that is true so i don't know what's going to happen but i think enough people are going to get angry that i'll probably get what i want fair enough also, uh, as it was pointed out, no, FIFA is by far the best-selling uh, EA Sports game, so I should just correct myself right there and just uh, get that out of the way. Oh, I, I wonder, I wonder, how, I wonder if, if Madden ends up being the the best-selling North American EA Sports game, and then FIFA is is the the biggest-selling worldwide. Yeah, because uh, I think that's that's certainly something that we you know miss out on being sort of like you know North American centric. Is that you know I don't care about football slash soccer, but there's a whole lot of people in the world that do, and that's part of why one of the secret things that EA makes a lot of money on is the uh, what is it the FIFA, what do they call it? It's the trading card sort of right, game, right? The, uh, the ultimate the meta game. game that is. Yes, yes, yeah. Which is but you know it's a big here. Mostly we know about it over here because there were some exploits that people were uh, upset about that led to some account compromising. But anyway, that's a lot of yeah. football. You also played. You play I haven't had a chance to play Saints Row yet. Oh, oh, I feel so bad. But, like, again, I've been trying to get this review stuff out of the way. At some point, you know, I'm hoping Rayman is going to show up because I'm supposed to work on that next. 
And is that next that week? That is, I believe, if it's not next week, it's the week after. It's it's soon. <sighs> um, but regardless, I'm Damn. waiting for a time where I can actually just sit down and focus on it. Because I don't want to just play for like an hour and be like, all right, I have to go do a million other things and, you know, kind of flick around in that game. Like, I actually want to spend some time with it. You've spent some time with it. Tell me, Patrick, how are you feeling about Saints Row 4? It's good. Uh, I don't know. It's I'm not flipping out for it. I think it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have a bit of a expansion pack feel. The I think with the core changes to the gameplay in which they infuse you with superpowers and allow you to jump around this city and kind of do whatever you want, that works wonderfully well. It's so much fun. It scratches the sort of crackdown itch that Crackdown 2 was not able to really do that successfully. Uh, it's tremendously fun to sort of circumvent the the rules of the world by the game giving you an opportunity to do that uh, in, in, in and of itself. But other than the story stuff, like, I, I thought the side missions in Saints Row the Third were not that great uh, to begin yeah, with. Yeah, I did and, all of them, but you're right. They weren't that great. And, and, I, and I think it's even worse in, in Saints Row Four, uh, where with the exception of the loyalty missions, basically, this doesn't spoil too much, but when, you're, when you've got sort of your crew, you can upgrade your crew to, like, a, a super-powered version of themselves by doing a loyalty mission. And those are great. You get some backstory about them. It's a lot of funny dialogue. But outside of that, there are all these side missions that are associated with the different members of your crew. But it's just making you go around and do the the boring side missions. Like, go hack some stores. Go clear out some aliens from this base. Go do a race. And I don't like doing any of those side right. things. I think the side ones are better in this game, but they're not great. They're mostly just an excuse to kind of keep plucking around in the world. And I think they did a better job of giving me an excuse to stay in the world beyond the story with the little crackdown-type orbs that they, they have you collecting. Like, that's just that's fun. Mechanically, it's interesting because, it, you know, it tests your platforming skills and your sense of uh, sort of direction and height management. But, yeah, it it's not – it is more than just an expansion pack, but it doesn't – the story-wise, it makes sense why it's called Saints Row 4. Uh, Content-wise, I feel like it, it may be a bit of a stretch. Right. Uh, you know, but then again, given how that game was developed, given what happened with THQ, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised that this sequel, this version of the game, is maybe a little weird, and that the true sort of sequel uh, that we're looking for is you know the one coming down the pike, obviously, probably in you know in two years or so. Yeah, I think it's great that they were able to wring one more what sounds like pretty great game out of you know this current crop of technology. Though it sounds like they had some real problems on the uh, the 360 and PS3, from what I've I've heard from people who play the console versions i bought the pc version this time around just from watching jeff try to play the 360 version looking at all like the weird frame hitches and other junk that was going on i was like nah pc gotta do it yeah if you have the option you know it definitely seems to fit in line with a lot of other games like that where it's not unplayable on the consoles but if you have the option you know it seems like you would be better served playing a a you know lower detail version on the pc right uh, than trying to, to get your consoles to run it. You know, whether that's just the tech being stretched too far or not enough time for optimization, you know, it, it definitely falls in the camp of a lot of other games where just if you have the option to play it on PC, uh, you should. But it certainly seems like you can – it's playable. Yeah. It's just, you know, know what you're getting into with, with those with those versions. But Yeah. 
Well, um, speaking of open world uh, games and Saints Row in general, uh, I thought we might talk about a few headlines here uh, before we talk about some other stuff and what have you. Yeah. Um, one of the things that happened uh, late last week, which I don't think we really got into on the show last week, was uh, some of the GTA Five leak stuff. Um, so some details of that game did leak out. We are obviously not going to repeat any story spoilers or anything else that's out there. I haven't even been looking at that stuff, and I won't. However, the one thing I did want to bring up uh, was that the soundtrack for GTA Five leaked. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at this yet. But, uh, you know, when it comes to, to judging uh, open-world games, uh, I feel, especially open-world, like, kind of crime-action-type games, the soundtrack is really one of the first places you start. You look at because, you know, GTA has always been, kind of, at least, at least in the, since uh, Vice City, has been kind of a benchmark mm-hmm. of quality for, you know, licensed music and games. And then the last two Saints Row entries have been nothing short of phenomenal soundtrack-wise. So I thought this would be a good little uh, who-you-got head-to-head sort of battle here for us to look at. Uh, Saints Row 4 <laughs> sounds... One, the, one yeah. the one thing I will say is that... Uh, so in Saints Row 4, because you have all the superpowers, you never need to be in a car. Right. And there are only a couple of times where it forces you to be in a car for a, a mission-specific reason. And that bums me out. I mean, I, I like not being in the car and running around, but... I also just don't listen to the soundtrack because I've got... I thought there was something they did where you could listen to the soundtrack when you were just running around with a certain ability or something. Oh, maybe. I haven't looked. I haven't looked. Maybe I could... I think there's like an implant you can use to just listen to uh, uh, the the soundtrack while you're just running around inside the Matrix world or whatever. Shit. If that's true, I'm going to have to look into that. Double check that. Maybe I missed that. I'm not 100% sure, but I just want to, you know, throw that there. So I don't know. All right. So yeah, so like the the nice part about soundtracks, they kind of give you a sense of the tone of the game. So like, what what are you, what what are you getting from GTA 5? What am I getting from GTA 5? Uh, What I'm getting is that, you know, the last time they did, uh, you know, San Andreas, uh, Los Angeles, what have you, they, they went for a real West Coast vibe. And the fact that it was set in the 90s. Uh, meant that you were getting a lot of that, you know, that great 90s uh, hip-hop, gangster rap, you know, alternative rock stuff. This is much more akin, it seems like, to something like the GTA 4 soundtrack, where they are definitely playing up, you know, the, the, the coastal vibe, but they are they have gone more modern and added, you know, stuff from, like, way further back. So there's, you know, plenty of West Coast rap, Tupac, N.W.A., Snoop Dogg, Ghetto Boys, Too Short, Ice Cube, Dog Pound, like, all that stuff. Then you kind of get into the, you know, the the old punk stuff. There's, like, the Germs, Black Flag, Descendants, Circle Jerks, TSOL, Suicidal Tendencies, Fear. Then you get into, like, the party music, and it's like, hey, here's Foreigner, The Cult, Steve Miller Band, Eddie Murphy's Party All the Fucking Time is in there. All right, well, then, Game yeah. of the Year. Game of the Year. I don't know. I don't know how... Why don't more people appreciate Eddie Murphy's Party All it's the Time? It's a great fucking song. I don't even like that. I don't even like that, ironically. Yeah. I just genuinely like that song because like, it's it's so, it's so good. It's, it's such a good song. It's great. I put it on at a bachelor party last uh, two weekends ago, and no one, no one appreciated nah, it. I, and I almost left. I almost left. It's like if I'm at a party where no one can appreciate Eddie Murphy's party all the time, what kind of party? Exactly. And it's you know. And so just looking down this soundtrack, you know, it's a really nice cross section of different stuff. Again, this is an alleged leak, but it sounds like it's pretty close to the real thing, if not the real thing. Um, it's a really nice mix of music. The, the one thing I will say, and the one thing that Saints Row, uh, thus far, at least uh, insofar as the moments I've seen of 4 and what I played of 3, is that Saints Row is very big on soundtrack moments in the game. 
They yes. they are terrific at taking big licensed songs and making them kind of the undercurrent to whatever action is going on. I mean, the Kanye power moment from Saints Row 3 is a particularly good one. Uh, I've only seen a couple of the ones they've teased uh, from the trailers. I, again, I haven't had a chance to play the game yet, but it seems like 4 has some really good ones as well. I, you know, the one thing I wonder is, uh, as good as GTA music and radio and all that stuff is, it's always great. They aren't always big on like these big set piece song moments, so I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna use any of that stuff in five. I don't know if they'd want to, you know, maybe they don't want to like do things just like the way Saints Row did because you know there is still that like kind of weird rivalry between those two games. But I don't know. I'm hopeful because I see something like Party all the time. It's like you know what? I want a fucking massive bloody shootout said to Eddie Murphy's Party all the time. Am I wrong? For yeah, that? like a like a bank yeah. heist with like Party all the time. I I wish I hope there's more stuff like that because. I'm the kind of person when I play, when I've played GTA games in the past, like ever since they've open world games have started coming up with ways to expedite the travel process, whether it's through literally just fast traveling from a map screen or getting in a taxi to, to get you to a mission faster. I tend to play maybe the first five hours where I'll, I like exploring the city and I like going from place to place in the car and is, you know, slowly and getting there, you know, how the game wants me to do it. And then at some point it's like, well, I just want to, I want to get to the mission, right? Like I've seen the city, you know, it's not like they've recreated, uh, it's not like, like LA Noir. I never fast traveled. Right. Uh, I went to every single spot because it was fascinating to be in this, uh, detail oriented, recreated real city, you know, down to, to some very specific, uh, nuances. And that's just not the case in GTA five. Like it's, it's a, fictional city that has taken inspiration Are you talking about Saints Row? I mean, uh, from no from from Grand Theft Auto okay because I mean GTA 5 is basically like the LA layout I know it's fictional but it is very similar to a lot of the LA stuff it's similar but it's but it but but it's they take enough license sure, with sure. it that it's not like I feel like I'm going to a place in reality in the same way I did in LA Noir. basically it means like I'll see enough yeah. of it and then I'm okay with moving on and I'll just fast travel in a taxi so I, I, I don't end up hearing a lot of the music, I guess, is sure. what I'm getting towards. And then, but in Saints Row, they have those moments. Mm-hmm. And those moments are so punctuated incredibly well by, by the musical accompaniment that I, I hope they do some stuff like that. I mean, you know, Rockstar is going to do what Rockstar does. You know, they don't, they are not a reactionary company uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and, and if anything, it makes me curious to see what, what Five is like because if there's, you know, the most pronounced leaps in Saints Row quality-wise have happened uh, between uh, GTA 4 and 5. And so if there ever was an opportunity for, at the very least, like GTA in its, you know, sort of jokey fiction to acknowledge the Saints Row franchise, maybe like a tip of the hat right. at the very least, I'm I'm curious to see if they do anything in that direction. Because they, they certainly don't have any problem parodying everything else. Yeah, I, I imagine it'll be subtle if it's there at all. Uh, the one thing I will say is that, you know, as much as the, the, the older GTA games definitely were, like, inspired by, but not necessarily really all that accurate to, you know, the cities they were based on, you know, I, I played GTA 4 before I moved to New York, uh, before I even really spent all that much time in New York, uh, and I did a lot of what you did. Like, I drove around for a while, I was like, this is cool, whatever, and then I, you know, I started fast traveling everywhere. Once <coughs> I moved here, I, I loaded it up again for the first time in a long time, and I just drove around. I drove around for, like, three, four solid hours just looking at landmarks and realizing 
there is actually a pretty insane minutia of detail they throw into that stuff. The fucking mm. beer garden in my neighborhood is in that game in in you know granted parody form, but like the the the, the Astoria yeah. beer garden is there in you know different form uh, and and huh. other like various small landmarks that I would never expect to see in a game like that are totally in there. So I wouldn't be surprised if GTA Five had a lot of really weird, very highly specific L.A. references in there that you wouldn't necessarily be expecting. Well, I, I did live in L.A. for a year and a half. So maybe maybe this would be an instance where maybe I'll have a little more interest in it purely because, you know, I, did, I wasn't living in L.A. back when San Andreas came out. I was much younger when San Andreas came out. But since then, I, I, have, I have lived in L.A. for nearly two years. So I do have a sense of, of what that city is like. Indeed. I'm glad I don't live there. Right. But... Anymore. All right, you give me a headline now. Let's talk about something else other than open world games. Hey, true or false? Hmm. Shadow of the Eternals failed to reach its fundraising. Goal. Uh, the truest thing that has ever been said in all of all of time. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I don't mean to laugh or not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my response is to that. But uh, you know, for people who haven't seen uh, or realized that uh, you know the spiritual successor to Eternal Darkness, Shadow of the Eternals. A uh, on again, off again fundraising project by Precursor Games, uh, led by Dennis Dyack and a bunch of uh, ex developers from Silicon Knights. They have tried on again, off again to to get that funded uh, through various crowd uh, sourcing measures, and their latest one failed pretty miserably. Yeah. Uh, I think they didn't even get halfway uh, to what they were well, no, what they were hoping to. If achieve. you're talking about this new one, it was 400 of I think 750 was what they were looking for. So they got just at about the halfway mark, but they didn't uh, they didn't go over. Yeah, they didn't exactly rally uh, at the end. Um, I can't say I'm surprised. I, you know, if I set aside everything, uh, the, all the baggage that goes with uh, this whole Kickstarter and this project and the problems they've had along the way and and, and all that that stuff, I do want a sequel or spiritual successor to Eternal Darkness, but. It's impossible to talk about this project without all the baggage associated with it. You know, whether it's you know one of the developers being you know accused, you know, albeit briefly, apparently on like child pornography charges. You know, the Kotaku article about Dennis Dyack and his his history as a manager, and they're having split crowdfunding options on their website and on Kickstarter because they're in Canada. Like everything that could have gone wrong, and every intentional jab to the heart that this studio could have done to their own project they did and it's i don't think it's as as simple as well why well, just people don't like dennis dyack like i think they went out of their way you know clearly accidentally i would hope so uh to sort of doom their own project uh and <laughs> it's really sad it's very very sad oh it's really sad as is the people who listen to the podcast version and don't. Well, you should watch the video version. That's what effects. I always say. Um, <laughs> my opinions on this are, are twofold. One, I, I'm not really, I mean, I'm laughing only because it, it's, it, to a degree, it's, it's a Charlie Brown kicking the football situation. You keep watching them try up. You know it's just not going to come together. You, you can just look. You can look around the internet and see what the interest level is of this whole project that they are working on and see that it is not there. The, mo- the, the money, the interest is just not there, but they are so convinced, or at least in their, their, they are putting on that they are so convinced that this is going to be a thing, that their community is very, very interested in this game and all that stuff. The problem is they're not making a case. 
They have not made a compelling case whatsoever for whatever the hell it is they're making. I know it's supposed to be a spiritual successor to, to Eternal Darkness. We saw that demo, you and I, when we were at uh, mm -hmm. E3. We saw what they were showing. It looked fine. It looked kind of interesting. But what they were actually able to tell us over the course of that, other than Dennis Dyack just profusely apologizing for being Dennis Dyack for 30 years, uh, did not tell me anything that would make me want to invest in this project. It's like, okay, you have some ideas for a story. You obviously have a decent little visual engine. You know, you want to do something kind of spooky and disturbing. That's great. What's the what's the hook? What's like what 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 are you actually selling me that is just like not just another random Kickstarter game? And with combine the inability to make that case with all the shit you just mentioned. You know, the 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 weird criminal char charges that may or may not have been dropped. Dennis Dyack just being Dennis Dyack. All the weird shit still surrounding the connection between Precursor and uh, uh, Silicon Knights, which still, as far as I'm aware, has not actually been satisfactorily uh, figured out. What? I, I cannot fathom giving these people my money for a project that I, I have zero faith at this point will actually come to fruition. Because there's nothing about it that has said to me, these guys clearly have what they need to get this together. What All I see is a bunch of guys who think they can make a game who have a bunch of really shady kind of backgrounds that just don't, it, it, there's, it's just not compelling. It's not interesting. And it's unfortunate because I feel like there are probably people there who genuinely want to make this game, but they are wrapped up in so much weird bullshit that there's just no way they're ever going to be able to get people past that. Yeah. And I just, if they want it, especially when they came out with the Kickstarter and then left and then came back again, there needs to be a certain acknowledgement of being a little more humble, being a little more honest, being a little more transparent. And it oh, I always got the impression, whether we were talking to Dennis ourselves at E3, that there was just kind of like a, we'll just brush this aside mentality. Like, ah, just like, don't, don't look over here. And I think they would have gotten a lot more mileage out of, and maybe they weren't in a position to, maybe for legal reasons they right. couldn't or whatever but but at least say that right like instead it always came across as well these guys got to be hiding something and then when you'd have all these hiccups along the way it's just like well maybe maybe this was not meant to be you guys maybe this was just not how this was supposed right. to go and i just i never felt like dennis dyack always felt very genuine in his passion for creating this when when i have spoken sure. with him but i never got the humble guy apologizing, I think, that people wanted. People never got the, this is where I screwed up. Instead, it was like, ah, oh, I'm not a manager anymore. I'm just a creative, yeah. right? So it's, 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 it's sort of tacitly acknowledging that there was a problem without actually explaining what happened. And I, that's, I think, what, what ultimately doomed them was, you know, what got them any sort of interest was Dennis Dyack and what doomed them from being funded was Dennis Dyack. So you're in a catch-22. Yeah. Do you make a spiritual successor to Eternal Darkness without him? Probably not. Uh, but when you do it with him, you know, you get everything that comes along with a guy who has not released a quality game in a number of years. And at the end of the day, a quality game is what will erase people's, yeah. you know, sort of... that You could be a horrible person, but you put out a good game and you'll get a decent number of the audience to, to forget about it. And he hasn't put out a good game. 
And that's kind of just, that's where that ends. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't know Dennis Dyack personally. I never worked with the guy. You know, I, well, all I know about him is is the myriad stories I've heard over the years about him from people who either have worked with him or have interacted with him. When you and I sat down with him in D3, it was like, yes, he was apologetic. He was contrite. He was very like, you know, I understand what I did wrong. I understand why I did this and that and whatever. The problem is he never said what any of those things were. Like, he was just, you know, he said, right. oh, I shouldn't have been a manager. You know, I'm a like, creative guy. I didn't, you know, it's like, obviously, you know, I've made mistakes. And it's like, well, what were those mistakes? Like, like he couldn't point to, he wouldn't or couldn't point to a single thing where he could say, this is what I did. This is what I did wrong. Here's why I'm not doing that anymore. And because of that, all his apology stuff felt very manufactured in the way that a PR tour, you know, uh, uh, an image rebuilding tour is supposed to be, but it did not, it, like, none of it rang true at all. And the problem is that he was sitting with, you know, another guy who I guess was, like, the either the COO or one of, one of the main people at the company, and he seemed, like, anytime you would ask him a question about, you know, something pertaining to the game, he would go immediately back to a default answer about how the community is supporting them, they're all this, you know, the troops are rallying behind them, they're very excited. None of them had answers for anything. None of them had anything meaningful to say other than, we really want to make this game. And, you know, it's one of those things where you're never going to say everything. You're never going to be completely honest when you're dealing with, you know, trade press and trying to get a product promoted out there. But if you really want to change the perception of your company and the people that you're working with, you have to kind of go beyond the basic stock PR answers that you wrote, you know, on the plane ride over. And they just never got past that. And even in, you know, into this latest Kickstarter, it seems like they never found a way to say anything of substance to anyone that would actually get them on board beyond the fucking four hundred thousand dollars they raised which i can't believe they even raised that much to be honest with you <laughs> I, I as well said i think uh i think you're i think you're right on the money but they were not right no on they the were money. not uh hang on hang on i got it there we go all right there you go sorry all i was right. looking up at a headline right. i wasn't i wasn't ready for it all right uh <laughs> speaking of nightmares uh final fantasy 14 relaunched uh late last week uh it uh it, it's so final fantasy 14 came out for a while it was really bad Square Enix apologized, said they were going to redo the whole game. They had this big revamp they were going to launch. Uh, people have been sort of, I, I guess some people have been hotly anticipating that. Uh, me, not a Final Fantasy nor a MMO person, not so much. But I have been watching this with some curiosity. So the game relaunched. And lo and behold, the launch was kind of a shit show. Uh, people were having mad problems uh, even getting registered on Square Enix's site. Uh, people were trying to get on, get into the world and were getting straight up, this world is full messages, no queue, no anything like that. Uh, it basically sounds like things have not been going very well for a relaunch of Final Fantasy XIV. I cannot say I'm surprised by that. I am sort of surprised at the scope and severity of how bad it is, considering just how awful the last launch for that game was. Patrick, my question to you. Does Square Enix really need to keep making Final Fantasy MMOs at this point? Did they they have not really demonstrated a lot of adeptness at this personally, I don't think. Well, 11 made a lot of yes. money. You know, that 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 game went on for an extraordinarily long amount of time. They made a number of expansions for it, all of which were or most of which were paid for. And so 11 was a huge success for them. So I, I don't you know, I don't I don't begrudge them for trying to to make that happen a second time. And in, in fact, I give him a lot of credit for you know, basically doing a complete reboot yeah. of the project midstream. You know, whether that pays off for them, I don't know, but it's certainly an interesting experiment and is absolutely unparalleled uh, in 
development MMO or or not MMO. I mean, I, I get you know to their credit, I get you know my understanding is this is early access, right. so part of early access is if you're an early adopter, shit's gonna go wrong. So I think some of that's kind of built into it. Uh, hopefully, you know this all gets ironed out before the the proper launch. You know, I, I think if this happens at launch after you have this during early access, that's a little uh, less excusable. And uh, you know, the game is being sort of you know relaunched midstream, but it already launched. Like yeah. you would hope that some of these issues were worked out, uh, but uh, apparent, apparently not. I, I think I saw very briefly that Brad mentioned trying to to register and get into that, but he wasn't able to even register an account. Yeah. So, and that's, that's, uh, he wasn't, that's even, the, wasn't able to get to the phase of playing the game. That's the kind of stuff that, that I'm talking about where it's like, you know, I, from what I've understood, you know, from people who actually have been able to get in and play this, if you like Final Fantasy 14 on any level, content-wise, it is several times orders of magnitude better than it was before, which is great to hear. It's great that they actually listened to fans. They did, you know, they made a lot of key, you know, content improvements for that game. The thing I'm sort of flabbergasted by is the fact that you don't even have server queues. Like, you literally can't even get your yeah, registration servers working. Like, I get that there are hiccups that you have with launches of MMOs. That always happens. But this is, like, kind of MMO 101 stuff. Like, this is the kind of thing you do. Like, after your first MMO, you kind of figure out these are the things that you need to get just any sort of, like, you know, user base going in your game. And, I mean, I guess, you know, it sounds like, you know, some people today playing are, are having an easier time than they did over the course of the weekend, which I guess is when everyone tried to, you know, jump in and play. But it's like, right. you have to know those people are coming. You have to be kind of aware that that stuff is coming. And I realize that, you know, launching things, we've obviously launched websites that did not work super well when they first came up, which, you know, were, ha. Um, but apart <laughs> from that, it's like, this level of it, especially when you have a game that's, all, again, you know, PR damaged, when you already have this damaged an image going in, you kind of have to have that stuff worked out before you let people back in. Because otherwise, that's not going to change the perception people had of your game. It's still just going to make them frustrated and want to quit again. Right. Yeah. It's... Well, hopefully the game's good. I don't know. Like, I get, you know, at the end of the day, I did, launch issues... Aside, hopefully it's a it's a good game. My guess is it'll still be an MMO, so I will still <laughs> remain disinterested in in playing it ever. But you know, hopefully for the people who are invested in that world, that that uh, pays off for them. Um, let's see, I want to uh, if people have questions, at that me in the in the chat at Patrick Klupik, and uh, we'll we'll get around to answering some of those after we run through a, a couple other good headlines. Deal. Uh, just real Let's quick, see. apparently there are server queues in the game. They were just not working at all over the weekend. That's why everyone was oh, all fucked. So they're there. Yeah, okay. So there are server Wonderful. queues. They just weren't working, and maybe now they are working. So that, that's great. Congratulations. I'm happy for you, Yes. Swear. All right. Uh, re- relate, so one thing that was interesting about these GTA Five leaks, uh, which, again, we won't, we won't touch on the spoilers. I haven't looked because I obviously want to experience the game myself when it comes out, uh, but... It was not that the soundtrack was sort of extracted from that, but audio files uh, of the the game's dialogue were pulled out, and essentially you can go and look up what happens right. in the ending at this point. And so, in response to that, you know, I guess you know this happened due to the European storefront of PSN, where you could preload the game, uh, and you know Sony has since come out and apologized, and they've brought they've they've taken it down. Um, one of their big things going into next generation is going to be stuff like right. this. And if there are 
still issues. You like you don't hear about this on Steam. No. I mean, you can preload away, no big deal. But we are about to make a big transition to a internet focused PlayStation Four, and it seemed like this was a perfect test case for them to to showcase. Hey, we've got our infrastructure better together. We can handle these big games. You can download them ahead of time. Please buy digital, 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 digital. That's a big part of our our push next gen. And they can't guarantee to not compromise the integrity of the data for the for the companies that are giving them access to those games. And then as a result of that, the games get pulled down, and the people who want to purchase digitally so that they can play those games the moment it unlocks are now unable to do so. And that seems to set a real poor tone for the PS4 coming out later this year. It bums me out because assholes that go in there and take that data then ruin it for the rest of us uh, who want these kinds of services, who want to be able to participate in this kind of marketplace. Now we can't do right. that. And Microsoft tried to do some stuff like this before. Uh, there was Famously, Halo Reach was pulled down from their servers uh, right around the time when Microsoft was actually going to make this change with how they dealt with the press. And rather than distributing uh, debug code and, and retail copies uh, ahead of release, they were just going to throw it up on the Xbox Live servers ahead of time and just distribute codes. makes it easier for everyone involved. That's sort of like inside baseball, but was one of the first steps of what was happening with the press and then was going to be something that obviously probably happened with consumers uh, as, as they got more comfortable with it. But then Reach got pulled down, and they stopped doing that. And then we were just kind of told, ah, we'll see about doing that again You know, once we're at next-gen and our, our stuff's uh, a little safer. But, yeah, I don't know. I thought it all around was a real bummer. And I have consistently sort of said that as heartened as I am about Sony's changes in a lot of ways, you know, in terms of network services, I'm not 100% confident behind them. And this certainly does not seem like a great indication that they're prepped for a couple months from well, now. Well, it's the one big thing that they obviously are still behind on. Um, you know, you can talk about them, you know, getting out ahead of the PR message. You can talk about them showing off a ton of, you know, really interesting games over the course of the last several months. Our hardware architecture, all this stuff, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of really great things to love about the PS4. But the thing, and the problem, the, the biggest problem that Sony had uh, over the course of the PS3's lifespan, apart from, you know, just kind of not necessarily getting the third-party exclusives it always wanted, was that, it, the online service was never completely reliable. You know, the the yes, it was free, but at the same time, there were the hacks. There have been you know service issues, many many service issues over the years. Uh, slowness to just shit not working. And Xbox Live, you know, for all its dumb problems, is a much more reliable model. It has been for you know the entirety of this generation, pretty much. And, you know, it's which isn't to say that it's foolproof or unhackable, because it's certainly, you know, people have gotten accounts hacked and other things have happened. But, you know, when you see stuff like this for a game as high profile as GTA V, Rockstar is not a very forgiving company, which is not to say that they, you know, will somehow blacklist Sony or something. But, like, that is not a company you want to piss off, because when it comes to negotiating exclusive content for the next time around or, you know, other things, you anger them, they will hold grudges. And... This is the time when Sony needs to be demonstrating that it's learning lessons and that it has figured out this online stuff and the PS4 is going to solve these problems and shit like this is not going to happen. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And not just because they're not trying, but because I there's always going to be 
people who try to hack this stuff, who try to get their, you know, work their way in to, to, to take things that, they, that should not be taken. I don't know that the people who are running that online infrastructure have the know-how or necessarily the, the means to eradicate that stuff in a way that will actually, you know, that will actually take care of it. I don't think anyone does. You know, and I, I think that Sony, least of all, already coming from behind in this position, is not necessarily best suited to fix this in time for the launch of their next platform. I will say there are a couple people in the chat pointing out that perhaps Rockstar is not completely innocent in, in what sure. happened. I guess uh, Jared says, a large part of the GTA Five was Rockstar not encrypting the files. The audio files had their own format. But to make them readable, people just had to change the file extension to MP3. And that's dumb. And they should have fixed that. (laughs) And they should have encrypted that stuff. But, you know, at the same time, I imagine they did that because they, you know, maybe foolishly expected that those files would not be, you know, early accessible to anyone. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, I I am not a hacker. I am not a network administrator. You know, all, all I can really do is say from... Like ignorant of all that stuff, just looking at it, it looks bad right. and paints a, a a poor picture for a digitally focused console that's coming out in a couple of months. You know, regardless of whether maybe Rockstar made a mistake on how they encrypted their files, whether Sony should have caught that or not. You know, all, all of that aside, it looks bad. Yeah. And 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 ultimately, the worst part about it is if you got <clears throat> you know the people that if you're out on the internet and people spoil, you know what's uh what's happening like that that sucks i forget so hopefully uh hopefully you're able to to remain pure for the last i can't remember what oh it was bioshock infinite um the week before that game came out uh there were some story leaks and stuff like that and apparently certain editors of various (laughs) magazines were actually getting emails with subject lines that spoiled the ending of bioshock infinite because people are dicks i think jeff i want to say jeff got one i think Um, i know game informer guys got like a bunch of them got it so yeah, and that's and that stuff sucks. I understand why that happens, but you're an asshole. Yeah, people are assholes. Don't be an asshole. Want to yeah. do a couple of short ones and then uh, jump into some user questions? Yeah. yeah there is good. a new Terminator's video game coming from the people who are bringing you that Rambo video game. Patrick, on a scale of super excited to holy shit, my head's going to explode. How excited are you for this? Who is Reef Entertainment? I don't know, but they're making Rambo and they're making Terminators, as in plural. I'm looking. I'm looking up there. Okay. Sniper Elite for yes, Wii. Yes, okay. Which means they did the port. They did the port. They probably didn't make it. Um, World War Zero. What? what, I, is, what huh? The Russian Revolution took place, but the Mad Baron Ugenberg mercilessly crushed the Bolsheviks. The Baron is... I don't Nope. I'm not going to read the rest of that. <laughs> Some game called Free Running for the Wii, PS2, and PSP. Okay. I don't know who this company is. Man, nobody wanted the rights to the Terminator franchise. They're making another trilogy of movies. What are they doing? I don't know. Maybe this is this is their you know bold first step to get out ahead of that stuff. To be like, all right, Terminator is going to be really relevant again soon. So let's you know put this out and hope for something. And I don't know. Yeah. 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 Uh, I only got one more, uh, and you okay. you already tweeted about this morning, so I already have an idea how you feel about it. Adblock crowdfunding. How's that sound uh... to you? Uh, uh, adblock. Uh, so, let me explain. I'll explain my position. Oh, adblock, it's probably my position too. So go on, go ahead. I don't, on its face, have a problem with people using adblock. I think there are 
I don't have them, but I, I don't doubt there are perhaps some legitimate reasons for people to go to certain websites where they are uh, trying to protect themselves from, from malware or spyware uh, or exploitative um, ads that <clears throat> Adblock you know is convenient for getting rid of. Uh, my problem is, with Adblock is that it, especially with this crowdfunding campaign, it is completely disingenuous because... Or maybe it's not disingenuous, and that's that's actually what bothers me about it, is they're saying they want a world without ads. And what Adblock started as was, I want a world... <laughs> I can sort of see what you're doing in the other camera there. The users can't see it. I, You know, it's getting rid of exploitative ads that, that bother people and can compromise their systems and are extremely annoying. I think that was a noble goal, and I think Adblock has 100% succeeded in getting rid of those. Most major websites you go to, if they have ads, it is purely to support their website. And when people have Adblock or Adblock Plus on by default, how many websites do you go to and you only click the content, you like it, and then you leave? When you whitelist it, then that content, that website gets uh, credit for that click. But if you just go to that website once, enjoy the content, whitelist it, and then never go back, it's like that click never happened. And if you were using Adblock in order to just keep yourself safe, that's fine, and you're using whitelist in the appropriate way, that's fine, but I don't think most people do that. I don't think most people know the harm that Adblock does to websites, and trying to raise funds for ads is... Man, fuck you. Yeah. No, and it's it's unfortunate for a variety <laughs> of reasons. Um, I don't know what you're laughing about. Uh, this, is, this is not a, a joking issue whatsoever, but what I'll say is, I mean, it, I, I echo most of your points. I, I feel like, you know, you and I have very much the same viewpoint on this stuff especially considering you know i mean if i'm completely honest when we were at whiskey media you know getting ad sales and getting you know ads on our sites was never the easiest thing in the world especially for an independent company that doesn't have like a big ad sales team or you know doesn't have like a good ad network working with them on a regular basis it was hard it was hard to make money that way and you know we've been in the very fortunate fortunate position where we've been able to offer services you know through subscription or whatever else that um you know gave people an option where they, if they didn't want to see ads on the site, if they wanted certain content, they could come in and, you know, they could buy a subscription and then, you know, we, we wouldn't have to do inundate them with that stuff. But, you know, not everyone right. has that model. Not everyone can work that model. And, you know, when I see people getting laid off at various sites, when I see that, you know, media, I mean, look, media is a dying fucking industry. It doesn't matter which at arm of media you're in. Uh, you know, my girlfriend who works in, in, you know, print media, uh, has had to kind of switch over to online and even finding like online media jobs these days, especially anything that isn't just like, you know, content writer, uh, is a real pain in the ass. I mean, her site literally laid off all its writers recently and then went into a licensing deal with a content farm. You know, like they just have a group of writers who pitch articles, uh, that, you know, uh, come in from this contract source. And it's in my my opinion that is a disgusting model that is unfortunately you know necessitated by the fact that they cannot afford you know to to give real writers salaries and I, I, I you know this ad block thing yeah if you're getting fucking inundated with porn ads fine don't you know like like block that site whatever but if you're just like you know blocking every ad that you come across on the site you are actually costing a lot of the sites that you peruse money. And you can it's piracy it's piracy yeah. like it, it is it is piracy it's not that I don't disagree that the ad model is broken I do think it's, oh, broken. it's totally broken. and 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 it's not a viable business model going forward to pay writers to keep websites with the lights on uh, I so but I don't think that gives you an excuse to be 
to pirate content. You can acknowledge that the, the business is broken and needs a new model, but that does not give you license to steal it. No. You know, I, I can't go into McDonald's and say, well, I don't have a buck. I got 75 cents. Give me a burger. Like, it just doesn't work that way. You can agree that to not like what's being asked of you in order to enjoy that content, but that doesn't give you the right to have the content uh, free of charge. Yeah. And what we what most websites charge is that there are ads. And you don't even have to click on no. them. I think that's also something that people don't understand is you don't have to click on the ads for them to uh, – for the website to make money. It is impressions-based. It is largely not click-through uh, as much anymore. And so when the ads don't, don't show up – are you La Parca? Is that what people yes. are saying? Is that what that meant? Yes. Okay, all right. All right, La Parca. Uh, you all you have to do is view it. So when you white when you whitelist a site and the ads show up, you are still getting that impression. You don't have to click the ad. Uh, you know I don't know a ton about the ad market. I believe that those click throughs are worth more, but that you are still uh, a website is still getting uh, money or fulfilling an ad agreement by uh, having the ads just show up and be an impression. Yeah. So, Again, I just I, I just want to reiterate I don't have a problem with people who have AdBlock on their computer and are only using it for, you know, sites that are just absolutely, you know, wrecking their computer with ads or whatever what have you. But if you're just right. default having that stuff off everywhere you go, congratulations, you're basically just taking money out of the pockets of the people you're, you know, you're looking at. And I know that you can sit there and probably think about a dozen ways to justify it that, you know, you, you've discovered through various conversations on message boards, but guess what? None of it really matters. You're still you're you're still fucking over the sites that you supposedly like, and I'm sorry it inconveniences you to look at ads, and I'm sorry that you have this principled stance that you know banner ads are not okay, and this is you know my user experience is more important, what have you, but uh, that's bullshit. I'm sorry. There's just no other way to put it. That is bullshit, and uh, have fun justifying that while you are also kind of fucking over you know the very media sites that you supposedly like. All right. Well, we will get off our high horse, and we will answer. We will answer some questions. Um, let's see. Wonderful One One comes out soon too. There are actually a decent number of games coming out pretty soon. Um, let's see. Well, a lot of people are asking for thoughts on AdBlock. See the last. See the last five minutes. Uh. William McBride asks, have you played any Surrey you were being hunted? No, I have not, but I have redeemed a code to check it out, but I suspect I will not have a chance to to see any more of that before we, we get back from we get back from PAX. That is a game um, I've heard many, many good things about. Uh, I have just not had a chance to check it out myself. Yeah, yeah, I've heard nothing but uh, really interesting things, and it's also kind of like Gunpoint, uh, a case where a games writer has gone off to, to work on a game. Uh, Gunpoint was largely made by Tom Francis by himself, uh, whereas uh, Street Being Hunted is partially developed by a small team where one of the writers is from, I think it might be the founder of, of Rock, Paper, Shotgun, but I know there is a Rock, Paper, Shotgun involvement there. So it's interesting to see how some of that stuff uh, has happened. Oh, Alex. Yes. Video Game King says, My birthday is this Friday, but sadly no bombing the AM that day. Can I get a celebratory birthday howl from the wolf? Ow! 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 <laughs> was that good? Happy birthday. That was good. Mm-hmm. That was good. Happy yeah. birthday, Video Game King. You are the king. The king deserves uh, a howl. The king of um, video games. See, uh, Donaghy Luke, do you think GTA V will suffer frame rate issues on consoles considering how large that game seems to be? Uh, you would hope not, 
I would I would hope not, given that if they are not having a PC version come out day and date, yeah. it seems like there will be one eventually. But if it's not coming out day and date, then not that the issues with Saints Row are excusable, but at least there is an option, right? Like you can say, hey, if you get the PC version, no frame rate problems. That's not going to be the case with GTA Five, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that will be largely a you know pretty solid 30 frames per second experience. Yeah, I I, I bought the console version specifically because, you know, as much as I the the Saints Row stuff was worrisome to me, I was of the mind that this is the last GTA on this console generation. These games are theoretically built for consoles. It's the first platforms they're coming out on. I just wanted, you know, I kind of wanted that to be kind of the send-off uh, for the last of, you know, my big uh, 360 library of games. And, you know, maybe there will be some problems. There have always been some, you know, visual hiccups and what have you in, in the console versions of GTA games. But I I can't remember the last time it was so bad that it, like, I found it was, like, kind of ruinous. It was probably on the PSP, like, honestly, the last time I sat there and went, this is just garbage. But, um I'm not that worried about it. You know, what they've shown of that stuff gives me some hope that it will probably still be, you know, pretty good visually and, and run pretty well. So, yeah. Um, a lot of people asking about PAX plans. Do, mm. you, do, you, do you have any, or are you just going to show up and see what happens? I, yeah, I personally, I'm planning on just showing up and street passing the shit out of everyone, and, uh... Ooh, I need some panels. I need some photo panels. Yeah, I'm gonna go to, uh, you know, I, there, speaking of panels, I might go to a couple of them, uh, including, I hear there's a giant bomb panel on, uh, Saturday night, which, I don't know, might be of some interest to some of you, if you... Are you invited? Are you going to that? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, the line's always kind of shitty, and, like, <laughs> it's just, it smells, but, you know, other than that, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I... I hear they're pretty funny. I might go. I don't know. And then uh, there's the Cards Against Humanity panel uh, on Friday night, which I, I, I don't... I think that's Sunday. Is that night. Sunday night? So I, I am I'm unfortunately going to miss that because I treated this PAX as I'm pretending there's not an extra day. If that is Sunday night, I'm going to be bummed because I'm not actually going to be there either. I'm leaving on Sunday afternoon, yeah, I'm, so... I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's on, on Sunday night. I know uh, Jeff will be there. Okay. Uh, so so if, if, you, uh, if people are watching this or at PAX, uh, Jeff should be at the Cards Against Humanity panel. Uh, for, I just, yeah, I completely sort of blanked on there being a whole extra day. Plus, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of get my fill of, of PAX by, by that third day, and I've yeah. had a chance to kind of see everyone and walk the floor, and yeah, I kind of want to enjoy my day off on Labor Day, so <laughs> so selfishly I am leaving a little bit early so that, so that I can do that. Yeah, I... I... You know, this being Labor Day weekend, I wanted one day home to actually do stuff. So Monday, I will have that day. Um, but this is actually my first PAX uh, in Seattle in, in several years. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to just kind of wandering around, hanging out and seeing people and doing stuff. Like, we don't make a lot of plans at PAX. That's not really our MO. We just kind of like to walk around, see people, hang out, do stuff. Uh, and it's nice that we have that, that luxury because I know a lot of people have to, like, book appointments for PAX. And I always kind of look at them and go, man, I'm sorry. Like... I know you're a journalist and everything, but, like, dude, I mean, it's it's PAX. Just, you know, go talk to people. Like, hang out, do stuff. Like, why, why, you just saw most of these games at Gamescom or will see them again at TGS. You're not seeing anything different, really, for the most part. Like, come on. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very fortunate yeah. in that respect. And it also allows me to, like, I still love doing a, a pretty decent amount of, of work at PAX, but it's because... Like, I get a chance to go and do the stuff that I don't normally right. get a chance to do, which is to have no schedule and then just walk around with an audio recorder 
and try and find some cool exactly that's the thing that's the, the social aspect can be the work aspect too that's where you can go around you can find people to talk to that you wouldn't otherwise like just I don't know. I think it's just the booking of preview appointments at PAX that always just sort of seemed like counterproductive to what that show seems like it is actually built for. Yeah, like the the few things that I actually book in advance are stuff that like sort of require slots. Like you know, I'm going to get a chance to interview uh, Hideki Kamiya to talk about Wonderful 101, and I booked a slot to talk to Keiji Inafune. So it's like those guys. It's like yeah, I I'm not going to TGS, so I'm not going to have a chance to talk to those guys otherwise. So I will book a slot and. And go get you know my my twenty minutes with them, but and the only other things I think I've booked in advance are uh, the translator of Earthbound mm. reached out. Uh, Kotaku ran a pretty cool profile of him I think last Friday. And it was Jason Schreier ran uh, something about him, but he reached out after I wrote my little piece about Earthbound and was like, "Hey, do you want to talk about Earthbound?" I was like, well, "As long as we talk about Earthbound and in, into this little microphone, then we're good to go." Yeah. Uh, so I've got that booked, and but other than that, you know, I'm just going to be wandering around and. And mostly, hopefully, uh, running into people and saying hi, because that is that is totally the reason we go is is to to interact with with giant bomb fans because uh, we don't get many chances to do that every year. Agreed. All right, so I think that will bring Bomb the AM to a close for well this week because you and I are going to be in packs. You get it on Thursday, I get it on Wednesday, uh, and we will we will reunite. And on Sunday, on Saturday night at the at the Giant Bomb panel, I should probably look up where it is. I could tell people. Yes, I can that's, never that's remember what theater do. it is, but mm, schedule, schedule, schedule. Giant, Super Giant Games. Nope, you can go to that too. Uh, Eight p.m. in the Pegasus Theater. Eight to ten thirty, and we went a little long last time, so we'll keep going until they kick us out. Yeah. Um, but with that. Uh, yeah, so we aren't going to do a Friday show, but we will look into maybe doing a Tuesday morning show or a Wednesday morning show or something like that. We'll uh, we'll regroup once once PAX is finished. But, uh, yeah, well, I will see you later this week, Alex. I will see you as well. Uh, it will be good to actually see you in person and not just on camera. And, uh, yeah, if yeah. You're, you're coming out to Seattle, come up, say hi, you know, shake our hands. Don't Maybe don't hug us because, you know, that's a little much. But You can hug Alex. No. I have permission to no. hug Alex. No. No. All right, bye, Alex. Bye, Patrick.